0: Broncos country let's ride the heat wave is going to Denver one of my favorite cities of all time and also by the way we were just debating this before we got in here the Broncos logo is it the best logo in football I think it's up there I think them the Eagles got a case the Falcons got a case anyway we got a case for these fantasy players on this team and on top of that. Go check out the Fantasy Football by Brodo app. You can get everything you need in the app to dominate fantasy football. And if you really want to dominate fantasy football, you can have the guys who created the app right at your fingertips by going to patreon.com slash fantasy. You get so many extras, including an extra episode every week uh, during the season. You get uh, to play in leagues with us, which always great, and fellow patrons. Um, they're always a great community, great vibe. If you, if you have trouble finding a, a good vibe fantasy league, Come here, and you'll have no trouble finding those good vibes. That is for damn sure. Um, there's one, there's, there's a couple that I'm forgetting uh, Discord access, uh, m- private consultations. Like, I can't even remember. They, and there's so much more. There's like three or four more, and there's tiers as, as little as $3 a month. Go support the show. And it's the reason why everything is free. So, with that being said, let's drop that free knowledge. The heat wave begins now. Tonight, yet another staggering heat wave striking. Fantasy football. So hot so hot air oh! I love the city of Denver, man. I had, I went there for my bachelor party. Little, I don't. We don't usually tell stories, but I'm gonna tell a short story uh, on this one. And before I do, I'm gonna, I'm gonna int- introduce my my brother from another mother and my brother from the exact same mother, Michael and Cass. What's up, fellas? What How up, team? So we were supposed to have my uh, bachelor party in New Orleans, uh, and I didn't know it was a surprise. They surprised me with a trip. I didn't. I wasn't supposed to know. Jason actually gave it away by accident, like three days before. The problem is, an unseasonable hurricane came through. And hit New Orleans, and everything got rained out. So in one day we had to pivot. We're like, what city could we go to? And we ended up going to Denver, and I'm telling you right now, it was like it was meant to be. We had a
1: phenomenal time in Denver. More, more of your lifestyle too—the hikes and the yes,
2: the and nature the other, and the uh,
0: you know yeah. and the other stuff. That's All
2: types of nature in
0: <laughs> Colorado, uh, uh, especially around that time. Like Colorado was a special place. Um, for some um, plants that grew uh, with that being said, uh, let's get into the offensive outlook, a uh, smooth transition uh, for the Denver Broncos. Now they're starting a whole new situation. Uh, Sean Payton comes in and is look, it is being called upon to be the savior after 16 years with the saints during his time, a 6.31 winning winning percentage. He had top five offenses. Guys, are you ready for this? 11 times in 16 years. Top five offenses, never below 11th at all, never below 11th until Drew Brees' last season at 19th. So five times top five, never below 11th until his last season. That is insanity. Uh, One coach of the year in 2006, his first year, uh, won the Super Bowl in that year as well, widely considered an offensive genius in his prime, took last year off to commentate, but was definitely courted around the league and... He's being called upon to write a ship that went very, very, very wrong under Nathaniel Hackett uh, last season with the debacle that was Russell Wilson. And the guy who's going to be the offensive coordinator uh, is Joe Lombardi. Now, I've said the name Joe Lombardi before in this uh, on this podcast, and it has not been in the shining light. Uh, he worked under Sean Payton from 2007 to 2013, took two years to be the offensive coordinator for the Lions, uh, not successful, never had a top mm-hmm. offense in, in those years, went back to work under Peyton, 2016 to t- 2020. Then he got the offensive coordinator position for the Chargers. Uh, he did have a top five offense uh, his first season, but I think even with that top five offense, if you watched the team, you were like, it left a lot to be desired. And then didn't really evolve the offense at all. And In fact, took the ball out of Justin Herbert's hands a little more and had a very mediocre, a wildly mediocre um, season last year. Now, he reunites with uh, his uh, his guy, Sean Payton. But there is something a little bit fishy because he worked under Sean Payton, like I said, 2007 to 2013. Quick maths. How many years is that? Seven. Are you kidding? 17 Six. minus 13, Tim? Six. My bad. And then 2016 to 2020, which is four. I know that one. Right? So seven plus four is 11. Right? So 11 years with That's Sean best. Payton. And this is the first time he's going to hold the title of offensive coordinator. Now, I don't remember. and There's no real way to go back to check. Like, if that was just the way Sean Payton did it because he was calling the plays. So he didn't really have an offensive coordinator. I don't truly remember. Um, because uh, there's no way to really check, I guess. But but uh, either way, it is a little fishy that this is the first time. Look, they're starting fresh. I'm not going to tell you their percentages. All I'm going to tell you, they were dead last in points per game last year. Dead last, and they didn't bring in many like like ancillary pieces. Um, it's funny because the Broncos' weapons. I'm going to talk about those. I'm going to make a a comparison of the Broncos' weapons to an early 2000s basketball team. So get your mind ready for that. Um... Dead last, but they, they added Mike McGlinchey. They added guard that he's a tackle, uh, from the 49ers. They added guard, Ben powers. They added running back Samaji P Ryan, which is a very interesting, uh, ad that I'm gonna, I'm looking very forward to hearing your guys' opinions on, uh, and rookie wide receiver, Marvin Mims in the second round. Their offensive attractions were some bad offensive lines. This, this offensive line was terrible last year and they were guarding a QB that had a terrible season. Uh, sorry, I'm talking this many, much in a row, but I got QBs on this one. Um, So I guess the question is, can Russell Wilson bounce back from an extremely mediocre season last year and terrible from all points? I mean, I think his numbers were better than his actual play. If you look at his numbers, he looks like like I I hate to say this, but he would be one of the best quarterbacks probably in Jets history last year with his numbers. Like he didn't have the worst numbers ever, like 26 touchdowns and his touchdown interception ratio was decent. It's just that he played really, really badly. So Sean Payton is coming in. Can he draw up a system that works for Wilson, and more importantly, will Wilson buy in? We heard so much last year about Russell Wilson has his own office and doesn't travel with the team and like and, and like was very much just like this bougie person. Will he buy into being humbled a bit? Was he humbled? I think that's something that Sean Payton was brought in for. He has that clout that he can kind of match. Russell Wilson, because there was no clout in the head coach last year. Um, Now he's throwing to some talented guys, but these guys are all hype. If you look at the names, like Javante Williams, uh, injured, now showed some signs, but never really had a great season, has never had a great season because of injuries and because he didn't get it because of a shared backfield in the beginning. Um, You know, Cortland Sutton. Had one really good year, but has been off. Jerry Judy has never really had that next-level type year. These are all guys that are supposed to be great. It reminds me a lot of the early 2000s Clippers. Now, if you remember that team, some of the names on that team, Darius Miles, Quentin Richardson, Michael Olawakandy, former number one overall pick, Elton Brandt, Lamar Odom, and Corey Maggette. I could be completely over some people's heads right now, but for some people who know what I'm talking about, that was the all-hype team. That was supposed to be the best team ever. They all had these, but they never finished over 500. And I have, that's how I feel about these Broncos weapons. It's like, yo, let me see them do something first before I just, you know, before I just give the, some of the ADPs that are going for like, like Jerry Judy's ADP is outrageous to me. We'll talk about that in a little bit, Um, but really it's down to the offensive line. Can they protect them better? Tied with Justin Fields last year for the most time sacked 55, Um, but Justin Fields ran into a lot of sacks. He was knocked down and hurried. You combine knocked down and hurried together. He was knocked down and hurried almost twice as much as Justin Fields, Fields, despite the fact that they were sacked the most times and tied for the most sacks in the league. I'm not on the Broncos this season, personally. I'm not on Russell Wilson. I'm not going to be drafting him. I'm not one of those guys who's like, oh, I can get Russell Wilson. That's not for me. If it happens, great. It won't be on my team. Um, That's how I'm feeling about Russ. I I mean we, we can get into these weapons, or if
1: you guys have some comments about Russ, I hit a lot of it. Do you feel differently about than me? Or? Russ isn't someone I've drafted much at all so far in my best ball drafts. Um even in best ball where you have more leeway, especially because Russell Wilson's probably your QB two. I just I like I don't I don't understand if people what people think he's gonna be like a top five quarterback again this year because of Sean Payton. I'm not buying. He was so bad last year that I'd rather just like not draft him. Like you want to go through that again with Russell Wilson if he shits the bed again. Maybe he was so bad last year because he just isn't that good anymore. Like maybe he just declined. Quarterbacks decline all the time. Sh- I, Everyone thinks Sean Payton is like this. The I don't know. He's like a. What do you? What are the things that you like? Uh, you rub for good luck. Rabbit's foot. Yeah, he's like he's like the rabbit's foot for the uh for the Broncos offense everyone thinks. We'll see how it goes, but I don't really have much interest in Russell Wilson.
0: There's something to be said about the fact that he did coach Drew Brees. Um
1: you know, other great
0: other superstar quarterback. I mean, we'll see. Um the real question is about his receivers, I feel like. And I love this backfield. I'm going to talk about that in a second, but the receivers I personally, I'm not touching any of them. How are you guys feeling about these receivers?
1: Yeah, Tim, you say sometimes I change your tune on players. Let's see how this goes real quick. All right. All right. Look, I know the Broncos Woomy, had
0: Michael. Woo me.
1: Yeah. I know the Broncos had an abysmal 2022 season, probably one of the worst seasons in recent memory, considering expectation. But among that grossness, I think people are missing the fact that Jerry Judy did manage to separate himself a little bit um, when healthy, especially at the end of the season. Judy finished the season 19th in points per game. And that's even considering the two games in which he played less than 20% of snaps and another game where he played less than 40% of snaps in the 11 games during the fantasy season where Jerry Judy actually played a full allotment of snaps. He was a top 20 wide receiver seven times, including a massive wide receiver one overall game where we had three touchdowns to close out the season in weeks 14 through 17. He was a stud as well. At least six receptions in each game, at least 70 receiving yards and three of the four had the three touchdown game. He was a top 30 wide receiver each of those weeks in week 18, a throwaway game five for 154. I I didn't include that in the previous numbers because week 18 doesn't count, but still in a throwaway game, it's still nice to see him building more rapport with Russell Wilson. Now Sean Payton's heading over there, the the rabbit's foot for the, the Broncos offense. And Jerry Judy last year ended as 19th in points per game while posting a true target value of just 41st. And right now Jerry Judy's going off the board at wide receiver 20, which is what he was last season. So, I really was not expecting to be in on Jerry Judy at all this season. Um, but at his cost, like I'm not going to be like, he's not one of my main targets, but at his cost, like if other wide receivers around him are being drafted that I wanted to target, say a Keenan Allen, a Debo Samuel, guys like that, if they all go and my choice is like Jerry Judy or, um, or like Brandon Ayuk or something, I'm, I'm giving the edge to uh, Jerry Judy there. So I do think Jerry Judy is a decent value at ADP. Uh, besides Jerry Judy, you have Cortland Sutton. Who? Hold
0: on, hold on, hold on, hold on. because um, uh, you 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 sw- you made me a little warmer on Jerry Judy, a little warmer. I just don't. You said you're drafting him where you're drafting at last year. I don't think it's a guarantee. He has a better year than he did last year. So last I... year
1: that he was he was in the worst offense in the league, and he was 19th in points per game. Like I don't think he he's good in the uh, the Matt Harmon. You know the reception perception profiles like he he had a pretty good season i know he hasn't lived up to expectations as a first round pick but uh i do think there he has some upside all right but outside of jerry judy Cortland sutton's currently going off the board at wide receiver 48 on underdog 46 on ffpc and I, i just cannot believe how atrocious this guy was last season for the expectation opportunity that he had he did not produce a single 20 point game the the entire season, and he had three games surpassing 12.7 points. That's it, 12.7, and they all came within the first four weeks. After week four, Cortland Sutton never finished with more than 13 fantasy points. He finished outside the top 60 wide receivers four times, including a zero-point game. That's more top 30 wide receiver finishes that he had from week four on, which was just two. He was also 33rd in true target value, but finished outside the top 40 wide receivers. Now the Broncos have Tim Patrick returning as well, and they drafted Marvin Mims, and Cortland Sutton is now entering year six, and he has one season ever, guys, within the top 40 wide receivers in points per game. Like, people give Cortland Sutton this, like, put him on a pedestal for whatever reason. I fell for it a little bit last year. The guy's really never been that good, and mixed in there is a devastating knee injury that forced him to miss an entire season. He has one very good season under his belt and has otherwise been super mediocre So I'm hard pass for me on Cortland Sutton as a wide receiver for this year when they just drafted Marvin Mims at uh out of um where does Marvin Mims go to college? I think Oklahoma was it. Whatever, Marvin Mims, who's going off the board at wide receiver 70. He's another Devontae Smith type of guy, kind of small and quick. He's a dart throw at wide receiver 70. I don't mind it. I think he could Oklahoma, absolutely yes. Oklahoma. You got it right. It man. was Oklahoma, right? I, I think he could end up taking targets away from Coral Like I have no interest in Coral at all. I wouldn't be surprised if Coral Sun ends up sitting on the bench because Tim Patrick's also returning. Who's the cheapest wide receiver in drafts right now. Wide receiver 73 on underdog and FFPC. He's him and Jarek McKinnon are my two most drafted basketball players right now because people forget that Broncos paid this man prior to him getting injured last season. Three years double-digit millions every year he was also pretty solid in 2021 finishing half his games as a top 40 wide receiver just that alone is worth a wide receiver 73 price tag plus he's apparently building a nice rapport with russell wilson last season he's fully healthy now and crown son sucks so at wide receiver 73 i'm drafting tim patrick all day At wide receiver 70 marvin mims whatever if you want to draft him go ahead i've been leaning more towards tim patrick who's more uh more reliable, in my opinion, but yeah, I'm actually drafting uh a more Broncos wide receivers than I expected to. But I'm not gonna touch Cortlandson one time in any league. I'm in on Tim Patrick. I will say that I'm very in on Tim Patrick. Yeah, reached, why not at wide receiver seventy? I reached for him in the Scott fishbowl I'm like, I, I'm not letting this guy fall on my hands. Like, Remember, for a little bit, we called him Tim Wide Receiver Three Trick because he would just put up wide receiver three numbers every single week, whether it was five catches for 80 yards or two catches for 25 yards and a touchdown. He'd somehow get within the top 36 wide receivers.
0: The most boring name in the sport, (laughs) but the most exciting, Um, Lightning. I don't know
1: what I'm going to say there. All right, speaking of
0: Lightning, a little bit of a thunder and lightning situation going on, because originally Javante Williams wasn't thought to be healthy, but they did not start him on the pup. Mm -hmm. We've seen Javante Williams on the field. That is something to be very, very excited about. On top of that, um, we do not see – I mean, we also get Samaji P. Ryan. And to remind you guys, the ultimate duo of running backs uh, in the history of fantasy, even better than um, Tony Pollard and Zeke Elliott the last few years, was Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara, two guys in the same backfield that were both putting up RB1 numbers that put up a yearly – both put up a yearly RB1 finish, and the mastermind, the person who stirred the pot on that offense, was um, was Mr. Sean Payton. And now he has Samaji P. Ryan, who really came on last year as a receiving back, and to add to Javante Williams, who has the, all the tools, he's a five, you, they don't call him five-tool players, if he was in baseball, he'd be a five-tool player, he has all the tools, he can catch the ball, he can run the ball, fast, he's quick, he's powerful, that's five tools. I hey it could be could be a five tool I could be t- trademarking something right now a uh, five tool back no but for real like he has all you need so this is a very intriguing backfield for me especially if this ends up being uh another Russell Wilson struggle year Cass how are you looking at this backfield and what do you see from it
2: Honestly I like it. Like uh, I like the situation we have going. Uh, we have, f- like the last episode, we talked about the Chiefs, how they have a clear receiving back and a clear more rushing back. I think we have that as well with Samaje Ryan taking maybe a secondary role, like you mentioned, with the Sean Payton offense. Uh, we've talked in the past, and I have a, an article talking about how RB targets come from quarterback and a coach alike. In this case, the coach is the the coach that made Alvin Kamara happen for so many years uh, and uh, Joe Lombardi as well. And then Joe Lombardi worked with Austin Eckler last year and we saw how that happened. So if we have a healthy Javante Williams, that's exciting. He was, get this, number one in true target value amongst running backs last year by a pretty wide margin. So it's like uh, number one Javante Williams with 4.09. Austin Eckler was second with 3.75. And when you got a margin like that on Austin Eckler, that's significant, you know? Uh, on the other hand, if he's not fully healthy, if he gets uh, hurt again, some J.P.R.N. becomes extremely, extremely interesting. He, he's not that big on receiving, but like we know, it's, it's uh, very scheme dependent. But also, last time he was a starter uh, uh, with the Bengals, he got 21 rushes, went, went for over 100 yards, over five yards per carry. So we know he's a very capable back. Uh, right now he is not the starter, he will take a secondary role, but he has that that's just that little upside in, in case of a relapse and give like a, a pitch count for, for some RJP Ryan. That's no, right for uh Javonta Williams, so that just makes it that little bit more interesting. He's going around RB38 right now, which is I think uh, like uh, he it's already RB4 territory, which is for me a, a great spot to grab him and, and take a, a chance on that upside. Plus, uh, the possibility of just standalone value. Yeah, I mean,
0: I I really like me some Piran because I think he has a role in this offense as a receiving back. He really came on at the end of the year uh, in terms of, of those receiving, like those that third down role. He's a good blocker. Uh, he's a guy that is interesting to me because you can get him at such a lower value than what... He could be worth if something goes down and he gives you, he's kind of like Elijah Mitchell, right? So Hmm. he can give you good, you know, you know, flexi type performances. Um, And then if the guy in front of him goes down, which he was hurt last year, the guy in front of him, it opens up all of a sudden um, so much in terms of what he can do for you He's, then he turns into like a league winning type potential and i think that you know when we talk about his receiving prowess four receiving touchdowns last year it doesn't sound like a lot but that was the fifth most run, amongst running backs um, his true target value was 11th so he got it done uh, 19th in receptions in th- with 38 20th in targets with 51 but you gotta remember, he didn't come on till the end of the year, so a lot of these are coming in later games. So these are all like very, very, like, man, these these are build these are building blocks. You're getting to something, I feel like, and now he's in the situation where he knows he's gonna get more work. It's uh, it's intriguing. It's intriguing to me.
1: My issue with Javante Williams is that he. Has two career games through two seasons with more than 15 carries. It's like even when he was healthy his rookie season, he was good, but he was in a split backfield and he was dealing with the injuries last year, of course. And I don't know. I just I always have a hard time trusting guys who have never uh, have never really done it for an extended period of time. So at his at his ADP I kind of get it. Um, but at their respective ADPs, I do prefer Samaj P. Ryan at the moment. I have a
0: feeling that this is going to change. Uh, we're recording this a little bit early. It's not like we're going crazy early, but it is a little bit earlier than it's being released. Obviously, we can't have a podcast a day. you know. So we, we do a couple of these at a time, a few of these at a time. Right now, he's at RB30. If Javante Williams is fully healthy, RB30 is an absolute steal. I'm drafting him every time at RB30 and just taking the risk.
2: Where that's, like a, that's
0: like a, that's, that's his, uh, current that on ECR. Pros? That's his current Fantasy 8.
2: pros. I got him a, a 28, RB 28, yeah. but still. He's RB 28 us. on, uh, on underdog right now.
0: See, it's, it's already, I'm taking him at that price. I'm 100%. Like, I'd rather have Javante Williams and take yeah. a chance than
1: James Cook, Antonio Gibson, AJ oh, Dillon, yeah, Brian 100%. Robinson. Yeah. I've drafted a few Javante Williams shares, um, but it's just risky, is all I'm saying.
0: I got Javante Late and Scott Fish, and I'm just I'm 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 hopeful.
1: All right, let's get into
0: this tight end. We could talk a lot about the running backs because this the tight end is pretty straightforward. I mean, Sean Payne has had some very, very good tight ends in his offense, but that's when very, very good he had a very, very good tight end in Jimmy Graham. Um, you know, since then the tight end has kind of been disappointing. Like like Taysom Hill has been tight end eligible, but he hasn't had his big games at tight end. So, Sean Payton is someone who definitely can work with his. Excuse me, work with his uh, personnel. Greg Dolcich is kind of just like, if you want to draft him with your last pick, if you want to go, oh, okay, uh, you know, if you have to
1: stream, you have to stream. The thing. No, he's Gr- not a he's not a last pick, tight end at the moment. Like if you want to draft Greg Dolcich, he's going as like a top fifteen tight end in drafts. He's not going as like the last pick in a draft. He's. I mean, how, when you take him
0: back up, tight ends. He's going at fifteen. Well, he's it's no nah, fine not if you want to draft him one of your last three picks in the draft. Is that a fair assessment?
1: Sure, sure. You know, so like if you want to draft him right before you take your kicker in your defense.
0: <laughs> I mean, you can. He's tight not... end
1: eleven right now on FFPC and underdog. Like he's not your last pick in the draft. Is all I'm saying.
0: A ten and eleven is a little different. All right, so then I'm not, you know, I'm not gonna draft him if any. If and I'm not banking on Greg Dolchich. Could it happen? Maybe. More likely, I think he's gonna be one of those tight ends that's gonna be in between like tight end six and tight end fourteen that are only separated by like four points, like it always is. Last like, like it always is. He's a hit or miss guy. As of last year, he was a big play threat, and that's really where he got his most of his work. Like he only had 33 catches, uh, but he ended up with 8.6 points per game. That was tight end 16 overall with only 33 catches. How do you do it? 12.5 yards per reception is 7th. Six big plays is 14th. Uh, and he was a rookie, mind you. Don't forget. So it took him a while. 41.1 receiving yards per game was 10th overall. And most importantly, a dot third, 11.35. That is a high a dot for a tight end. So, you know he's hit or miss. He's up and down. I'm not making a stink about Greg Dolchich.
1: Uh, he's I don't know. he's, half he's his one of the games, streamers. Half his games he had over 40 receiving yards too, which is not saying nothing for a rookie tight end. If you wait on tight ends, and you end up drafting Greg Dolchich at tight end 11. I mean, I don't. I think there's a chance he ends up like sticking around in your lineup. If it's not like this team is stacked with receiving weapons that are guaranteed to be successful. I'm not as excited as Michael. I, that f- fine. If you want to, I mean, get I'm him not late, overly excited him about him, but I don't think he's a bad like consolation if you can't get any other tight ends.
0: I'd rather handcuff. I'd rather handcuff my running back and wait on tight end, and you know, take a guy who's going in his range. Let's see. Take a guy like Dalton Schultz or Chiggy or Cole Komet, even Tyler Higby, Mike Gesicki. Yeah, no. Like, I'd rather I'd rather wait and go with those guys. Not that I, I draft those guys over Greg Dolcich, but, like, I just wait and go with those guys and pick someone else. Like, pick a pick an Elijah Mitchell. Pick a, you know, someone who's going to be a, a, a great handcuff for you. I think that's what I would rather do. But that's just me. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't be mad at you if, if you know, you're probably going to stream if he's your tight, starting tight end. Right, I don't see any way in hell he's someone you put in your tight end spot every <laughs> Any week.
1: way in hell.
0: Zero. There's a zero zero chance ch- chance that you're not gonna drop him to on say. his bye week because you want to save yourself some Greg. Dultich. That's a
1: wild thing to say. All right, a zero bet. percent chance that a rookie tight end. What are we betting? It's I'm not like I'm a huge Greg Dolce. You just said there's a zero percent chance he sticks around on people's rosters. A rookie tight end who half his games put up 40 or more receiving yards last year. Like rookie tight ends don't put in work. He had some nice games. I'm just saying to say that he can't be successful is a wild statement. I'm
0: not saying he can't be successful, just not going to be. You just a said zero percent chance that he's going to be a difference maker. Yes, zero percent chance. There's zero percent chance he's a top five tight end.
1: Zero percent. Zero percent. You want to bet? The top five. It's basically impossible to be a top five tight end these days unless you're one of the top five tight ends. <laughs> and it, and in between and from and from five to fucking sixteen, it's separated
0: by twenty points. So why waste your time on Greg Dulcich? Whatever you say. All Agree right.
1: to disagree, I suppose.
0: With that being said, uh, we are done here with the Denver Broncos. How, what are you doing with Greg Dalton's? That's the real question. That's the most important question. When dumb. I say you, I'm talking. Be the tiebreaker, Cass. Who you are you siding with, Michael or me?
2: I'm siding with the listeners, whatever they decide. <laughs>
0: Cass, as always,
1: the politician. A
2: man of the people.
0: Yeah. Uh, at BrotoFF Tim, at BrotoFF Casanova, at BrotoFF at at Broto Mike. Don't follow him though. He has shitty takes, like Greg Dolchich. <laughs> at Broto Fantasy, uh, at Psychword FF, at um, at Broto FF, Jason at FF by Broto, Broto YouTube.com slash Broto Fantasy, and the Fantasy Football by Broto app. We'll see you tomorrow with the next team in the AFC East, which is the where's that that the... I'm gonna get there Chargers. See you. there you go. Good work.